Welcome to Re-Engage, where we watch every episode of the sci-fi series Star Trek The Next Generation and re-engage with the show from the perspective of adult storytellers instead of the Gen X kids we were when it first aired. Today, we are talking about the 14th episode of Season 4, Clues. And I'm so excited to welcome my fellow cultural bridge officers, as well as a returning guest, to discuss this episode that might have been titled Minor Mystery. <laughs> Kate, how are you doing today? I'm good. This was uh, indeed a mystery to me because I had no memory of this one. And yet this is one of my husband's very favorite episodes. So it was very oh. fun to watch it next to someone who the whole time was going, Ooh, oh, oh. <laughs> Like, I know the secrets that you don't know. Yes. <laughs> Eric Curry, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Hello from France. Uh, I also, Kate, did not remember one iota of this episode, and I was very excited to find that. Uh, I kept expecting some plot device to remind me what the rest of it did, and I, it just wasn't there. So yay. Yay. Jimmy, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well, thank you. So happy to have back-to-back -back episodes with Flim Flammery. <laughs> <laughs> so much Flim Flammery. Um, and I am excited to have Sharif Jackson return. How are you doing, Sharif? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited about getting into, uh, clues. Uh, you were, you really wanted to talk about this episode. So yeah. Was there, was there something that, that pulled on your memory strings about it? Yeah. No, like, like, uh, Kate's partner, like this is one of my, uh, favorites as well. Um, I tend to like episodes that involve, um, like what happened you know like, like if that question comes up <laughs> in an episode it's probably one of my favorites um so like just like putting the pieces to to together and the fact that it almost worked is what i really <laughs> like about uh if it wasn't for that moss all right it was, uh, you know <laughs> um, dang moss. it 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 would have worked so yeah i i I'd, i really liked it which is why i um you know i uh I request it. Also, I think I have a new appreciation now because, you know, as a new parent, I often find myself falling asleep or dozing off in different parts of the day because I'm really tired. <laughs> so I'm like, is there some someone I, I got to check my wrist, see if it's been operated on or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so. Did I just lose a whole day? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All, oh, man. All I have is a fake plan on my desk, so I can't really check its growth. <laughs> awesome well this uh episode was star date 44502.7 but in our world that was february february 11th 1991 i'll go into some of the things that were happening in the world when this first aired still can't believe this is uh 32 years ago um but february 8th a couple days before this roger clemens uh, pitcher for the Red Sox signed a record $5.3 million deal per year with them. And it was a record at the time. It seems <laughs> kind of strange to think about that now, but I remember that being a big, big uh, total back then. So quaint. Peanuts. So quaint. Just 5 million, right? <laughs> also in sports news on February 10th, the day before this was the 41st NBA All-Star game. It was played in Charlotte. East beat the West by two points. I remember this being one of the hotly contested ones. Um, and Charles Barkley, I believe, was the MVP of this uh, All-Star game. On February 10th, Lithuania voted for independence from the USSR. Ongoing story there of all the territories of the USSR pulling away and being like, nope, we're on our own. And I feel like I mentioned this before, but I remember Lithuania because they competed in basketball, I think, in the 92 Olympics with uh, jerseys that were donated by Jerry Garcia, I believe. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no. Lithuania and Croatia were the teams that really gave a dream team like, like some work, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, awful news coming from the Gulf War, which was in full effect at this time. Um, this was February 13th. So two days after this aired, there was a bombing in Baghdad that uh, the United States did with one of their stealth bombers. I remember those being a big deal in the late 80s and how much we, we spent uh, for those. Um, they bombed a shelter, it's Amiria, and they thought it was a 
civilian shelter that had been converted into a military base of operations. But as it turns out, it was mostly filled with civilians. And uh, it is was investigated uh, as a as a, uh, a terrible tragedy uh, among many tragedies here in the Iraq war. Um, and then some of the images from this are, are just awful. Some of the, the, the there's basically incinerated hands uh, on the on the concrete. That was the only evidence of of uh, what had occurred because there was two bombs that came in. Uh, and this area is actually a memorial now and they have the actual entry point of the bomb getting into the shelter. Um, so just a reminder that uh, shit sucks in the world. <laughs> Always, Thank you, Greg. Yeah, I know, right? I'd love to, I'd love to you know, report on this crap, because, but it does feel uh, important to put it all in the context of, of sci-fi. And this jokey fun clues episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, to, to lighten up the mood, let's go with Kate and talk about what's happening in pop culture around this time. Well, we finally have some brand new music and a brand new movie at the top of the charts on the music scene. We have Gonna Make You Sweat, parentheses, everybody dance now. Thank you, CNC Music Factory. That 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 song is so iconic from that time period for me. Like, I just totally got great joy from it. Dance till you can't dance till you can't dance no more. <laughs> it's a perennial hit too. Like I put it on and like my yeah, and my kids are like, oh yeah, this is great. I love this. I just want to that and uh, I've got the power. Oh that's yeah, coming soon. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and then the the number one movie was Sleeping with the Enemy, which mm. is uh, a classic wow. that uh, I loved growing up, uh, which I probably shouldn't have seen it growing up. <laughs> there are many of these movies that I shouldn't have seen, but, you know, <laughs> just a nice, simple story about a, a man, you know, stalking his wife through, you know, state after state. Every child loves a story like that, don't they? <laughs> Was it Patrick Bergen? Uh, I forget it was who was the who was the bad guy. I'll have to look it up. It may have been Patrick Bergman. <laughs> Bergamot. Canon. And that's what was happening in pop culture. Do do do. Yay, uh, Eric! There weren't that many uh, guest stars in no. this episode, but uh, there were there were some notables. Yes, we we certainly have already spoken, or we will speak about the performance of Dixon Hill's secretary <laughs> and the wonderful work of that actor when we get there. Uh, but we have seen her before, and we'll see her again. And in the meantime, what we need to talk about is. Uh, Ensign uh, Mc, uh, what's his face? Give me one second. McKnight. Here. I have missed McKnight. I have sorry. I like Mick. What's his face? It's really good. Well, I feel like that was the original one, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, Pamela Winslow, of course, played Ensign McKnight in three episodes. This is the first, so we will speak about her again. Uh, only thirteen credits. I, I hate to say only thirteen credits and counting. Since uh, she is working as of 2021, oh. uh, things like American Dreamer and They Came From Outer Space, American Playhouse as Rapunzel in the early 90s. We had Little Sister, um, Star Trek The Next Generation, and Steel Big Steel Little in the 90s, and then jumped to things like Emma, No One Called Ahead, Melange, and Finding Pandora. Uh, so this is probably the most famous of her credits so far, but she is still working and keep it up. Pamela Winslow. Woo woo. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jimmy G, what was going on behind the scenes? Well, the story idea for this episode was uh, by none other than mail carrier and fan Bruce D. Arthurs. Uh, mm. He submitted his fan fiction and uh, they liked it. Pillar thought it needed a little dust up, so they gave it to uh, a brand new writer. I forget his name, but he was actually, because of this episode, brought on to staff and became a permanent fixture around TNG. I don't know if you noticed, but there was a difference in how Les Lando, the director, uh, filmed the shot. So when he was going into the flashbacks, it was very smooth and fluid shots. And when he was in the real time, he made them very uh, uh, rough and choppy jump cuts to distinguish uh, where we were 
mm-hmm. in the timeline. And one of the stars we didn't mention, she played Alyssa Ogawa. She was Crusher's medical assistant. We've met her before in episode uh, Cause and Effect, and we learned her last name was Ogawa. And in this episode, we learned that her first name is Alyssa, and now she's a whole person. (laughs) Uh, Is it Ogawa or Agawa? Uh, Probably Agawa sounds way better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then uh, data references the USS, I don't know how to say this either, the uh, trusty... Trieste? Trieste? Trieste. Trieste? Trieste. Yeah, Trieste. So that's a ship that he served on early in his career. Um, And he does mention it in uh, (laughs) 11001001. And that's all there is from the uh, Nemesis Files. (laughs) (laughs) And Eric knows how to pronounce Trieste because he's in France. So you get that information. I am in France. (laughs) (laughs) You come from France. (laughs) I'm surrounded by them. <laughs> As you said, it was a uh, written by Bruce D. Arthurs and Joe Manoski was the name of the guy who, yeah, who yeah, ended up Manoski, cleaning that us up. Um, and directed by Les Landau, who's done a bunch of TNG. Uh, but I liked the little bit uh, that that most of the rewrite had to do because of uh, Will Wheaton's departure. Uh, so any dialogue that went to Wesley Crusher, they had to figure out how to move it to other characters. Uh, which I imagine might have been a, a, a quite a bit since he's usually like on the brain trust of people trying to figure out what's going on uh, when there's some kind of temporal space time thing because of his travelerness. All right, well, let's let's get into the episode itself. <laughs> let's go. It starts uh, with a, a fairly long cold open that has uh, the Enterprise taking a long trip through the nebula. Um, and, uh, wanting to spend some personal time on some personal projects. So I like, I always love uh, episodes like this that start with, uh, you know, kind of life on the enterprise. The first shot that we see of this is actually, uh, Worf, uh, leading a class of some type of, um, you know, bark, Tai Chi. Bark, mark. Tar- bark Karar, something. Mock Bara. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I have to mention every time this shot is also in uh, Star Trek Acid Party uh, with some uh, new wave music in the background. I called it out as soon as I saw it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that. Uh, but it is it is really cool to see uh, the crew members following Worf in this, as well as a great shot of Dr. Crusher doing her, like, sh- you know, experimental, like, sea monkey research. Right, Kate? She is so <laughs> into what she's doing. Like, it is just, uh, like... It sets it up for the whole episode that this is going to be very important, whatever it is she's looking at. Um, right. With her hairs a little different in this episode, too. She's kind of, mm. kind of like a jaunty little feather. I noticed. <laughs> well, and the whole ship gets the time off. You know, like, everybody just, you know, forget about space travel for a couple of days. We're just going to chill. But then we get to see... A return of Dixon Hill on the holodeck and Guinan showing up in full accoutrements. Uh, I love the the long cigarette holder uh, that she chose to to use during this and her interaction with the Dixon Hill's uh, uh, secretary, who I always just love is that they kept her casting the same throughout every appearance of, of, of Dixon Hill here. And they have a back and forth about Gloria from Cleveland. Gloria from Cleveland. And that's Rhonda Aldrich as Madeline that we do see three times throughout the series, which is just wonderful. I love this scene and I love seeing Whoopi. What was absolutely terrible is that this is the only time we see her and you do not bring Whoopi Goldberg on for what amounts to be a meaningless scene that just underscores the whole, we have a minor mystery in her hand and and humans love mystery. Like, she's too big for that. Like you just don't do it. And you're going to remind us that Guinan's there, which is one of the big plot holes with anything that, that turns something into like, Oh, the humans all, you know, we're incapacitated somehow. Like you remind us that Guinan is there. And then you don't explain how, how she uh, was taken out of the equation. Like at the very least, she comes in during the Picard crusher scene where she's talking about the, the fun guy. And she's like, uh, Captain, something's wrong. I know that I wasn't asleep for 30 seconds. He's like, oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> kind of insane. Right. So obviously some shit's a foul here. I agree. I felt like they they set it up here and they didn't get to 
to kind of shoot at home. It only made, almost made me wonder if there was like a deleted scene or something that was was in the yeah. shooting of this. That's what I think. I think it was shot for another episode, personally. Yeah. Mm. Oh, wow, yeah. I can 100% see Whoopi as a fan of Star Trek and wanting to be on Star Trek there being a desire to be in a in a hologram episode, right? Like, can I get in on some of that sweet, sweet, uh, you know, pretend world? But I agree with Sharif. Like, it, it felt like it was tacked on from somewhere else because, as you have all pointed out, who better to tell you what the hell is going on on this ship than Guinan? And she loves getting into mysteries, too. Like, that's part of how she's been used in previous seasons is to be like, hmm, something doesn't seem right here even with yesterday's Enterprise and all that. So, yeah, doesn't, didn't make much sense to me. Um, so uh, she eventually gets in to talk to uh, Picard as Dixon Hill. But, oh, he's under duress. He's got a guy with a gun on him, which, again, seems also <laughs> very similar to uh, the previous Dixon Hill bits that we have seen. Uh, then he gets shot up. Outside and oh, a minor mystery. And then I love uh, Guinan's line here being like, this is supposed to be fun. <laughs> All I know is that Picard gets super horny for a mystery, like right away. <laughs> like as soon as she's like, this is what you do for fun. He's like, yeah, <laughs> let me tell you about a mystery. That really should have been the title of this episode. I, I, instead of clues, <laughs> I, I think that would have worked out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I also started thinking like data this is the guy you go to for your acting uh, advice like this guy is not <laughs> who you want to go to Picard he doesn't know how to ham it up at this all bad accent can't do anything right he's dropping out of character right. left and right right oh man but it does seem to set up the whole idea that like oh you know Picard is horny for mysteries uh <laughs> That's basically it. I do love Data's kind of phone call in here. It's a non-intrusive way. And also, you know, uh, uh, Sharif, we have a we have a history of doing uh, some some D&D role-playing. But it did, finally, for the first time, realized that, like, oh, yeah, Picard just likes to do this for fun. He's basically playing Dungeons & Dragons on the holodeck here. Yeah. I mean, that's what the holodeck is, right? It's like, I mean, trust me, the, uh, the uh, computer's in the background rolling some die every time a scene is made and, like, NPCs <laughs> are made. You know, how aggressive are they? How weird are they? You know, um, I, I know it's an, another episode, but like Manuet, I think, is Riker's. Uh, yeah. Manuet, yes. yep. Riker's yeah. flame. Charisma right? through the roof. Yeah. Right? So, um, yeah, yeah. I think, I, I, I think there's definitely some D&D going on here for sure. Yeah. And that could be fun. You know, you know, it, you know, it's. It's it's like a twenty fifth edition. You know, <laughs> Data calls and says, "Hey, they've got a, a a wormhole around a class M planet. It's worth checking out." Uh, and so they do, in fact, go back up to the bridge. Picard uh, does a quick change, and he's back in his uniform. They are at the T Tari system, uh, and they get a, a bit of a surprise by having this wormhole appear, and then all of a sudden. They pass out, and we see Data uh, looking around at his fellow crewmates. Gas humans. It's a great cold open. I like how we did not hear them fall. Like, <laughs> that's a lot of falling, and that is the softest carpet. Yes. Yeah, it's a very yeah. gentle drift. Because <laughs> it's all over the ship, too. I was going to say, you would think when all those people fell, there would have been sort of like a the, the ship bounced just a tiny little <laughs> bit. <have> <laughs> That's yeah. what I was thinking. Like everybody's on the elevator, like jumping on the elevators. Like, oh, you feel that? Wonder if the inertial dampeners help uh, with that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I could see some real damage in ten forward if a bunch of people walking up joints <laughs> or uh, stuff just face plant, you know, into the yeah. food. So yeah, mystery here, and then we go uh, credits as we wake up from unconsciousness. Let's do it. And data starts <laughs> lying right away. Wait, well, we didn't know that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He does a really good job of uh, falsifying. Yeah, he's a good liar. Everything from the beginning that they were only out for thirty seconds. They launch a probe. It's Data who sends out the probe, so you know that's an important thing to note for later. Put a pin in that. Yeah, everything seems to be like, well, all right, well, 
That was 30 seconds of weirdness. Let's move on. My husband was quick to point out, look at Worf. He's rubbing his 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 wrist. I wonder I why he's that. rubbing his wrist. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. <laughs> See how going to the movies with the He's like, he goes to each movie ahead of time and then has to be like, oh, did you see that? It's very I, rare that he does it. It was adorable this time. This time it'll be adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't note that. So that's actually a really good uh, bit of continuity. I think yeah, that's me neither. really, really cool. Missed it. So yeah, they, the probe figures out that it was not a uh, class M planet anyway. And then that they kind of just like, oh, that's weird. Okay, well, we'll go on with that. Uh, O'Brien has some twisted ligaments on his elbow as well. So he's talking to Dr. Crusher about what's going on uh, with his elbow. It seems like O'Brien's bit on this show is always to be injured uh, as well as Worf, I guess. Right. And to complain right? about being happily newly married. Oh, I'm putting up some flowers for my wife, you know. How that goes, because I just got married. She's pretty awesome. My headcanon is that it had nothing to do with flowers, if you know what I mean. Ooh. Oh, no, I have no idea. He hurt himself. Captain Picard's not the only horny one. <laughs> oh, I get it. Uh, but that's when uh, Dr. Crusher's like, oh, uh, you're busy, uh, Alyssa. I'll go get the hypo spray myself. And she sees her experiment that we got the close up shot of. And it is growing, it's big. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it is Diomedian Scarlet Moss. Oh. Delicious. Yes, which is very pretty. Everyone up on the bridge is still going through the process of figuring out what the survey is and how it'll take a long time. And data, I noted, was starting to be like, maybe we shouldn't be investigating this, which just, you know, that feels out of character for data even at this point, right? Yes, for sure. I, I did start to, even in the very first scene, when they're like, whoa, weird, it looks like we've traveled a day. Data is so quick to be like, oh, I got to change the clocks. There was a problem with the Ferner Frowner Ferner Frowner babble, you know. But I was like, oh, that seems he's really quick on a solution to this and not so much of what an odd curiosity we should look into what's happening. And this is the first usage of Picard saying minor mystery, where he just says, yeah, yeah, we figured it out. Well, I do like that data, though, does suggest that they do do something. It's just something that would take a while. Like he says, like, let's survey this other stuff, you know, that'll take like a, a certain number of days. So he does kind of, I don't know, I feel like at this point he does have an alternate solution, which is which is reasonable. Good point. Right? Like, like he's not like, hey, like, look, look over here, guys. You know? <laughs> like, uh, like he does have a suggestion. Um, which is way better than what we'll talk about eventually, which I will probably rail on a bit a little later. But, but like, but, but like as of now, I, I think, I, I think Data's doing a decent job. Now, why he why he says thirty seconds? I don't know. That that to me is a little weird. But do you yeah, guys yeah. did you know already at this point? That no, there's no. flim flammery. I did not. No. no. Yeah, I did not. I did not at all. I w- I was thinking maybe there was something going on with data like well, I mean, this is like a lore episode i forgot or something like i was like huh he's he's acting a little bit off but not so much even this scene but later on um but I, as you're saying sharif he does the great thing of of preying on uh human bureaucracy where he's like yes we could do this it would just take a really long time and Picard's like we don't have time for that we're on schedule we need to get to where we're going to and, yeah uh, yeah just because you have a positronic brain doesn't mean you're free from red tape my other question is how fast do these probes go because Mm. they said they're half a parsec which is well over a light year and like i want to know if these probes go warp speed because that's fucking cool but i don't really want to know later on in this episode they talk about the speed uh, uh, that it's that something is traveling and it's like oh it's too slow to be a photon torpedo and you're like wait do photon torpedoes go warp speed but I don't. <laughs> they don't look like it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I don't. I would doubt it. But who knows? And that's where Crusher comes into the ready room and is like, "Check out my plants." And uh, in, in addition to Picard being an archaeologist, uh, a historian, a mystery solver, <laughs> equestrian, 
He's also a botanist. <laughs> I do love that this is one of those episodes where he tries to dismiss Beverly sort of outright. Like, well, I'm sure it's just something. And she's just not having it. And I live for an episode where a woman stands up for herself and says, nah, you're not going to push me aside. I said what I said, yeah. and I'm going to stand by it. Yeah, I was surprised at this point at how adamant she was. Yeah. Because I thought that that like she'd be like, oh, that's kind of weird. Maybe I'll study this for a little bit and see why it had accelerated growth you know yeah. nah, it yeah. was it was like no like something's going on here she had a good point though too where she's like this moss came from four different sources it's four different strains right right so maybe one of them would be weird but all four of them being weird that's you know weird. beyond the pale well and she mentioned that there are several back in the place so it, it's as many as a dozen different places yeah right you're right Listen, kick rocks, nerd. Nobody cares about your moss. Get out of here. <laughs> Trying to run a ship here. And I love that when you just mentioned Kate about, about her sticking to her guns, ends up being the stinger where Picard's like, hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. That close up on his face is like, well, that's very different then. That's almost what Guinan had told me. So yeah, they go to the observation round, lounge, the observation lounge, <laughs> and uh, they start talking about this. And this is where Data mentions my old friend, Pell Underhill, 22nd century uh, physicist who tries to say like, Oh, this is something that maybe it happens where matter can go through a temporal thing and it, you know, under the right conditions. And you can tell from the room, this is pretty good subtle acting, but everyone is like, it wasn't bullshit. At all. <laughs> how, how, is this, how is this possible? Yeah. Data is a repository of information. He is chat GPT of uh, information. <laughs> Okay, he could cobble just like Chad GPT. He could cobble together so, a way better BS answer than this. Th this to me was very strange. Yeah, like I feel like he could have like used his knowledge of you know millennia of uh, papers and and concocted something that was believable to everyone. Maybe unless Jordy went and looked at it further. But I find it weird that he couldn't concoct something that at least. Some of the people believed, you know, it was weird. It was weird to me. He's not very creative. <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, I mean, just like the reaction of the crew to it. Mm. Like, 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 I feel like what the show is trying to tell you is that what he's saying is just completely out there. Like he wasn't even trying, you know, and, 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 and like, to me, it's not about being creative. It's about using an algorithm to just paste together different stuff like as a as i mean not that i'm an android but <laughs> as an android as an android myself um yeah sure um, I, I i feel like i don't know i just feel like i don't feel like they had to sell it this hard to where it was something completely unbelievable to everyone like it, like i think that it would have played a, a little bit better if it got over to everybody except after Jordy went together, went and like did some additional research or something. Well, like only Warp's the one who seemed to not. Maybe he might have believed them because it was awkward. Like it was awkward that Data didn't realize that almost nobody believes you yeah. because the close up on or the camera shot with Data going leaving in Picard's in the foreground, like. You could tell Picard's waiting for him to leave. Be like, okay, guys. <laughs> what the fuck is up with Data? And Jordy's like bursting to say he is full of shit. And, and Warp's the only one who's like, what? Did, was he not telling the truth? Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, painfully obvious. And that was, what and are for you me, suggesting? That was when I was like, oh, is Data's, something's up with Data. Yeah. Like, I didn't know anything yeah. until that moment. I was like, well... Obviously, Data's holding something back. I just have to point out in this scene, after Data leaves, they become um, irrationally um, interested in why their beards didn't grow to me. <laughs> to the point where later on we'll get like a, oh, that's why our beards that's didn't grow. And I was like, grow. you know that that came yeah. up in a writer's room where someone was like, man, at the, at the cons, someone's going to ask us why their beards didn't grow. We fucking better right. have an answer. <laughs> They're going to bust our balls. 
Right. <laughs> Another minor mystery. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so they say that they can test it out by a couple of ways. Like they can check out the chronometer. They can also check the transporter um, trace logs, which I didn't really quite understand until later. I didn't understand it at this point, but what Crusher does. Uh, and Picard says, yes, do both of those. Also, keep it a secret from Data. And that puts LaForge in a really hard spot because he's got to be like, hey, guys, what's happening? <laughs> in the very next scene down in engineering, right? That was a hey, bit buddy. like. Hey, yeah. buddy. We need you <laughs> up on the deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you at 10 forward later. Like, he's like. <laughs> and then he immediately goes to the unseen ensign and be like, I need your help with the computer. Don't tell Tina. <laughs> <laughs> The transporter logs, you know, sh are supposed to be able to show time passage than the internal clock that Beverly is able to detect from the cell membranes. I guess they use the the whatever the image from the transporter and they can compare that to what their readings are and see that that time has passed that way. That's where your day's worth of hair growth comes in. They can measure right. that with a tricorder. <laughs> <laughs> They should have an instrument that can measure hair growth. You're right. It's called the Floby. <laughs> when we get there, like, why the fuck didn't the stasis shit stop this too? But okay. Yeah. Sorry. Because they say they have a, a way to suppress biometric, you know, whatever. So why wouldn't it have done this too? Yeah. I agree with that. LaForge gets down from his chronometer checking uh, and says, there's only two people that could have tampered with it. Me and Data. Bad news. It was data. <laughs> yeah, so I'm saying, how, how come nobody suspects Jordy at this point? Right. Like, like they immediately, now, now I, I know data gave that weird, like, description of the theory, but I feel like both of them, like, should have been, you know, like, like the Inquisition should have been on both of them. Might have been a little more interesting, too. Yeah, the music could have helped there. Hmm. Jordy could have been playing the long game. <laughs> but then they do, in fact, uh, take data to task here and, and, and Picard is trying to get him to answer questions. And I don't know about you, but I found this scene a little unsatisfying and that like, I feel like he wasn't answering, asking the right questions. He's like, you know, it, it feels like he's trying to lead data into saying something and then doesn't respond. Picard doesn't respond when data says, I cannot answer that. And you're like, well, why can't you? Right. He gets there later, I think in later scenes, but it's like, what is preventing you from doing that right now? Right? Did you guys think there was like not a, there should have been another leap in logic well, here? Well, I think that it was a storytelling pacing thing, right? If mm. you figure that out right away, then that's, a, you know, an element of surprise that you don't have for later. I definitely noted that Data was using really specific answers in terms of like, I cannot answer that. I am unable to answer that. Not mm -hmm. I didn't do it or no, that didn't happen. It was all about like, and so that was definitely a nice little nod to hopefully the audience starting to be like, aha, I wonder what might be happening here. But I understand right. storytelling wise why they wouldn't want to do that till later. There's an ensign. There's an ensign like behind them. And then this is the best uh, line of the, the episode, I think, where Picard's like escort data. He, he consents to being examined uh, by LaForge. And he says ensign escort him to engineering. And data... Has some emotion when he says, I know the fucking way, Picard. <laughs> and he gets up, right? Yeah, I there was, was surprised they dropped the bomb like that. Especially in 91. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one where I was like, mm, I don't know if Data, the android, would have answered so snippetly. What did you guys think about that that delivery? Oh, I didn't think he was snippet at all. No. I thought it was actually a, a, almost one of his punny things. Like, I know the way. Just an innocent response. Yeah, uh, there was a point though where he's motionless and staring at them. I was like, he looks a little bit like his uh, evil twin brother there. Like that's a cold ass stare. Mm. Yeah, and that's where the lore suspicion started to come in for me. Yeah, lore. Well, I mean, you know, he's a canny enough actor that I'm sure that that was in his head. You know, and that that's what they were. It's nice that you have an actor like that that can keep those possibilities going this long in the script. And I guess maybe that's what that I know the way reminded me of the way that that lore would have delivered the line rather than data would have. Mm. Cuz he seemed pissed. Or maybe that was just me projecting I on him being projecting. like mm. I'm projecting. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
Good. Keep it up. <laughs> we get the inside of Data's brain again, which is always fun it. to see the little LED lights go. Dilly, 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 dilly. Um, and this is actually a really touching scene between two friends here with LaForge trying to be like, I just don't, I don't trust you right now. And I don't like that. I don't trust you. Is basically what what the gist of is it. I like that it mm -hmm. comes from Data too, because Data says, "I you're uncomfortable." Like he sort of calls out that moment, and then there is that moment of honesty, which is really nice. All right. Well, then they try to figure out whether or not the uh, uh, the probe was rigged, um, and they're still trying to investigate more and more about uh, each bit. Um, and Data uh, eventually you know, kind of doesn't really admit anything, but basically says like, yeah, you don't have a choice, Picard. Like, uh, it seems I'm lying to you. It seems that I'm uh, insubordinate to you. You really don't have any choice. Uh, and he's aware that a court martial could ensue and then his entire career would be over. And then all of a sudden the stakes for this episode got, got a lot higher for me. Well, not even just his career. Picard specifies like they're going to scrap you. Yeah. Says, no, I know. Right. I, I, it was chilling, but also a bit contradictory, right? Because already in Measure of a Man, Picard himself proved that he's not just a tool. He's actually a sentient being and has personhood. So it would be shocking that the, the Starfleet would then say, OK, we're going to we're going to kill you because you don't answer a question. We've also seen how ruthless some portions of Starfleet are. And, you know, as we all know, in reality, governments can do what they want to do. Right, but this isn't reality. It's Star Trek where they don't have that. At no, least at I this know. point. So <laughs> it didn't but add I mean, up. We've, we, have <laughs> seen, we have seen portions of, of Starfleet be corrupt and awful already. Yeah, and if you don't have your captain that's respected as much as Picard is vouching for you anymore... I feel like that's the one thing that they'd be like, yep, okay, no, we need to figure out if a, if an android can lie to us, then maybe an android shouldn't be, you know, a member of Starfleet. Even though I guess they have to trust humans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Starfleet. I, I don't think that should exclude an android from being in Starfleet because they can lie. You'd have to exclude every person at all. Like, you know, um, I don't know. I don't I don't disagree. I'm just saying it's Starfleet. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I I just think it means that you can't yeah. assume an android is infallible. That's all. Which yeah. which is what Data would love anyway cuz he wants to be treated like a person. I feel like we we <laughs> skipped an important thing right before the court martial episode. I was about to go to that. Which is mm -hmm. which is Deanna, right? Like that happens pre court martial discussion where Deanna gets hurt and then goes to with Worf to her um quarters where we hear the scream and she looks at the the thing that that does looks back with different eyes which really freaked me right the fuck out i like how that was shot too kate like how you know there's wharf escorting her uh i got a little bit of like shipping of them because i'm like oh, oh right like, she calls him mr wharf yeah and she's being like, oh, thank you so much for being so nice to me uh, while I'm taking down here. I love also that that she has this this episode on the bridge and they're like, maybe you should go to sickbay. And she's like, nah, I'm just going to take a nap. And they're like, hmm. With all this minor mystery going on, I feel like they would have pursued this a little bit more than they did. But they're like, OK, go take a nap. And then the, the, the camera follows Worf as she goes into her quarters. And then she, that scream happens. And I, that that was actually like, okay, what is actually happening? I, I was not sure what was wow. going to happen when Worf opened that door. Yeah. And just that thought of a stranger looking back at me happens mm. to be like, I have a thing with mirrors every once in a while. I, maybe it's just growing up with the, you know, doing Bloody Mary and, you know, the bathroom mirror when, at three o'clock in the morning. But like, it freaked me right the fuck out. Let's punch that mirror. Let's make it break. That's the only <laughs> thing this, this scene was missing was her... Having punched it and then having like, you know, the, the aftermath of that, I feel like that would have been like, we're straight in horror now at this point. Uh, but they examine Troy uh, after that occurs and uh, she's a little embarrassed. She tries to be like, I'm fine now. I just had this this overwhelming feeling that I was not myself. <laughs> no big deal. But then uh, they get back to this the, the, the Tatari system um, after all of the... Uh, uh, Efforts by Data has failed. Uh, and then we see this green energy field in front of the planet. It is, in fact, a Class M planet, uh, a little bit rocky looking from the from the image. Um, this, is, of course, also after LaVorge has proved that Data has used 
uh, clip art, uh, basically. <laughs> okay, so this is what I was kind of hinting at at the beginning, yes. the part that I really did not like. Once again, the same way that I feel like Data could have constructed a better argument about quoting, you know, like using his uh, database stuff. We've seen Data create images, uh, paintings, whatever, at lightning speed. Like, you telling mm. me he couldn't have reconstructed a, like, better thing than just getting a jpeg from the archives <laughs> like like yeah, it feels like he didn't even change the metadata i'm like data like like i get like he probably didn't have a lot of time to maybe come up with it with this plan but this was just i was really disappointed in data here man i was like come on man like this is this this is not cr creatively coming up with this is image processing this is like you know this is <laughs> This is like get 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 on your computer game and open you know open open up Microsoft Works you know and you know and and like get your clip art and like, let's get going you know ask ask a Clippy if you need help with some images or whatever but like come on man. Like, it seems yeah. like you're trying to falsify data from a probe how how can I help with that. Yeah. Uh, I guess this is what I was talking about. Like, I, I I thought maybe Data wasn't good at improv, but he should be, as you're saying, he should be because of his skill doing painting and things like that, right? Like, he should be able to kind of roll with this a little bit better. But he should he, be good at creating a false image, like yeah. anything computer based or image based. To me, he should be able to do 100 percent accurate, accurately, and not yeah. make it look like something from a you know as as like I said. So he just like scrolled up on his phone and looked for an old photo and just like <laughs> airplayed it to the thing. Like, come on. Man. Sorry, I am fully functional. I didn't mean you to see that. <laughs> Wrong picture. <laughs> so yeah, they do get the actual planet. They realize that, that it was completely falsified. It is an M-class planet and that's where the uh, race uh, shows up of the Paxons and they embody Counselor Troy. Because uh, who the... else would they? It's twofold. One is that as the green mist is shooting its little thing towards them and they don't know what's happening, I love that Picard just says, let's see what happens when it hits the shields. Like a 10-year-old, like a, like a <laughs> right? Like, right, like right. what's going to happen if like shit hits other shit? I'm really into it. <laughs> so I was into that moment. Let's put the Mentos into the Coca-Cola just to see what <laughs> right. happens. But also we have these running lists of, you know, like things that a phaser can be and like interests that Picard has. Now we need a list of entities that have inhabited Deanna Troy because yeah. there mm. are so yes. many different green mists or thing. purple mists or gray mists that have inhabited this poor woman's body. Immaculate conceptions. <laughs> It almost seems like that was just the the, the go to. We're like, it's got to be Troy, well, of duh, course. Right? Who else is gonna be embodied because of her empathic ability? But it's not even really kind of said why she was the one chosen. Because she's hot. Yeah, I, I, I think it's the empath thing. I, I think that's probably if 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 you ask the writers, I think that they probably say she has an aura of you know stuff around her, and it just attracts the mist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was easier for them to use her as a conduit because of that. But well, it, did you guys at this point understand that the Paxons? I'll rephrase this. I did not at this point understand the Paxons weren't the mist, <laughs> and I didn't understand like, well, why do you? Why can't you be isolationist in your mist? Like, I what just like move over <laughs> your, <laughs> your gas, like. I didn't get to the end that somehow they were the the gas was the way they were communicating and they were actually like maybe different looking beings on the planet. Is that the case? Right. Like they could be humanoid. We don't know. Or both. I wasn't sure what they looked like either. I wasn't sure if the mist was them or not. Uh, to be clear, I don't, I, I don't right. know either. And I think it's kind of cool that we don't know in in a way because they are just it's just their their will is what was important. And Jimmy, were you implying that the two states of being are isolationist? And fucking <laughs> it felt like that's what you were starting to imply no, there at the I'm end. I'm not that deep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never been that deep. Uh, <laughs> the the mist embodying uh, Troy. The weird thing about that was that there was like bright lights of green on her face in different ways. And I, I was trying to figure out what those meant anything. I don't know. I was grasping a straw trying to figure out anything. But then she goes to the data and uses her 
Gozer the Gozerian voice to talk to him. <laughs> um, and I love his reaction, just like, oh, it's you. You're back. Or something like that. Yeah. And this is where things got really interesting. Not that they hadn't been interesting, but this moment of him not being surprised by her presence. Like, I, this is when I started to put the pieces together. And mm. and in this next scene, in the circular argument that he and Picard have, was when I started to be like, I think I know what's happening. Sussed it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but LaForge catches them talking. And that's an awkward scene right before that of like being like, Counselor Troy? You know I was going to ask her out, Data. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jordy. <laughs> that's where, yeah, right. Data is like, I, we, this thing can still be salvaged. Uh, and he goes up to the, to the bridge and tries to tell Picard, we need to get out of here. Uh, which is basically like telling like, you know, a moth, like, don't touch that flame. Don't do it. Don't go to the flame. But Picard's like, I'm not leaving until I figure out this mystery. Did you forget the cold open where I said <laughs> mysteries are very important to me? Did you forget how horny I am for mysteries? <laughs> okay, we I really love- need the Kate edit of, of these episodes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Troy comes on the bridge, and uh, this is where the gig is up to a certain extent because uh, she starts talking, and this is where uh, Picard is like, "Tell me, tell me what happened." And he's like, "I, who ordered you to do this?" He's like, Picard's last ditch thought was like, "Starfleet, did Starfleet get to you ahead of me? Like, is this why you're disobeying my direct orders because a, a higher power is directing you?" And then this is the best. Uh, ending of this before we get to this last commercial break is no who ordered you you did dun, dun, dun. i remember when i first saw this i assumed he was still lying oh. that that oh, really? it, it was still yeah yeah i i i it, it still took me some time to get that he was actually telling the truth but he's been lying the whole episode I was like, oh, okay, just lying again. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that's valid. And this is where we get the back and forth with Data's voiceover telling us what happened. Um, this might be a first in the episodes that we've seen anyway, where we get voiceover talking over like events that have happened already. Mm-hmm. It seemed a very non the Christie flashback. Yeah, it looked at, it, it was very mystery like for me. It made me think of like you know Clue and and like all the like send ups of the mystery genre a little bit. Um, and not necessarily a good way because I was finding myself laughing at it the whole time. I love that <laughs> right before the flashback, Data says, very matter-of-factly, we can't stop the takeover of the ship. We can only delay it, which like puts like the stakes back very high that in this moment, he's like, okay, let me catch you all up. We're totally fucked, uh, <laughs> but we may be fucked for, you know, like later. So that's good, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the enterprise has been up against some real big baddies right like from from the borg to to everybody but it just seems to be like a axiom here that data says where he's just like nope they're gonna kill us yeah therefore we have to go do all these machinations in order to make it happen he also right before the explanation explains that everybody's you know biochemistry was I don't know but someone goes that explains our beards <laughs> yes and it's Jordy it's Jordy both times and I think it, that is head that's canon for me Kate that it was a note they got from from Paramount or something like that they were like well what about the beards, the beards? Yeah. and you're like okay fine we'll put in two lines Amazing. to explain the beard things and we'll give them to Jordy <laughs> But yeah, this is where they all, you know, figured out that the wormhole was was a ruse. It didn't even exist. They had, uh, you know, they're, they're, I love how they're also just like, they're xenophobic. <laughs> That's cool, right? And you're like, mm. it, the whole basis of Star Trek is that like, no, you can't necessarily be in isolation all the time. But Picard is very ready to to try to respect that. Let's just talk about the fact that Troy is the one that broke Worf's arm. Yeah. That's pretty badass. At least give them a little piece of, like, music, a stinger, something, instead of having Worf have to come down there, get lightly touched, and throw himself into the wall <laughs> in silence. That was like, weird. give them a, a clash of strings or some shit, like something, help a man out. 
and and the way that it was a wrist breaking, right? Yeah. But then he get it seemed like a, a large like just break his wrist and then have him like fall down rather than have him like jump all the way over the railing and then hit against the wall. It was it was a bit exaggerated. Yeah, hey, I agree with you. Take the man's wrist, but leave him his dignity. <laughs> Poor Worf gets beat up. He's supposed to be the most badass warrior, and he gets beaten more times than anybody else on this on this crew. I think he contractually, Michael Dorn contractually said, I'm fucking shit up in Picard season three to make up for all the times you got my ass kicked. (laughs) (laughs) That I believe. But then, yeah, Picard tries to say like, look, that was just a rehearsal. We were, we were just practicing. We were, we were going through the motions. We could do this better because we are people that love a mystery. And for some reason, that's the thing that these all powerful gaseous or not beings are like all right well you respect that you I respect it. that you deserve it yeah so let's try again he uh it reminded me of neil patrick harris his whole argument was like no 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 that's when we were sucking we're gonna <laughs> stop sucking and we're gonna start being awesome instead you're like okay okay if you put it that way right and then the whole thing was that Data was was supposed to be the only one who was alive and he was going to be ordered to, to do all this. But then they left these little threads hanging that they couldn't resist. And right. Then, right. Once, they, then once they, they agree to be like, okay, let's do it. I love that Picard actually gives like a little like director pump speech too. He's like, all right, we're going to do it again. And we're going to yeah. do it better this time. Yes. No mistakes. Very Mickey Rooney. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Like we were all being yelled at after the run through that went bad. That's <laughs> oh, too soon. <laughs> too soon. Too Sorry. Soon. <laughs> um, and then they go through it again, right? And they uh, all get knocked out, and then uh, they have to believe Data once more. That's that's the part that that gets me about this episode is he tells the exact same lie. That they were only out for 30 seconds again. Right, but they stopped sucking this time. They yeah. stopped sucking. And no moss. Right. There's no moss. The other thing that stuck in my craw about this is what if they were all on board with this charade, as Picard would say, <laughs> wouldn't Crusher have been like, all right, well, I just did this moss thing. Like, she would have known, right? And she'd be like, I just did this moss thing. Like, she left that, that, that thread hanging. Right. Well, the she obviously didn't, they didn't tell him this is going to take a day. Go kill the moss. But it does say that the racing, also a racing memory, seems to just be like, oh, so if you can upset our biochemistry, you know, things, that means you can erase memory, right? And they're like, yes, <laughs> okay. Well, we'll believe that too. <laughs> I just think, Greg, when you're in the fog of uh, the excitement of growing moss, sometimes you know, <laughs> logic or good thinking goes out the window. I mean, I know that's true. When you're growing the hydroponics, sometimes you forget stuff. Uh, hydroponic. Oh, yes. Hydroponics. I was is... not. Uh, all right. Well, then they uh, go through it all again and they have that little bit of question like, oh, but we do have this class M planet that we still have to look at. And did you all see Data be like, fuck this. He does like a mug to the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. A little side eye. <laughs> and he says this time. We can probe it, dude. We can just probe it. Are they going to use different clip art this time? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, like you should have started quoting that theory again. Just out the blue. <laughs> yeah. Made it work this time. You know what? That sounds pretty good. I actually would have liked it if they started doing it. Like, this was a loop. That, or no, we're going to really get it right this time. <laughs> <laughs> Four more times. And that's what brings them out of their isolationist policy. They have a, <laughs> a new society that they respect. Come on, Greg. Right. You guys that's are a, funny. That's a hell of a way to do it. I agree. I think actually that would have been more Star, Star Trekian than anything else, Eric, where they realized by having this back and forth with another species that they actually <laughs> yeah. grew and changed. You're right? like, that feels more. Instead, what we're left with is that these Paxons still exist. And nobody in Starfleet yeah. or anywhere knows that they exist except for Data. It's time to bring him back for Picard then. This is one of those like hanging threads where... You know, Picard is actually a copy uh, of of himself from the transporter from season one. Like, they never really resolve it. Right. Um, but that's it. That's the episode. It was a little minor mystery. This is Clues. 
And I enjoyed talking about it with all of you, but I want to go one by one and see how you thought about the episode as a whole. And I will throw it to you first, Eric. I will give this one um, nine useless Guinans. <laughs> I I was hurt and and deeply destroyed by by the fact that uh, they gave her such a wonderful opening scene and never uh, considered her again. I think that's always a waste. Um, I know big movie star, very busy, but uh, you you get her as often as you possibly can in every episode. But that said, I did not remember this episode. I really enjoyed it as if it were a brand new episode uh, when they were all in their youth again. And uh, I had a ball. I love mysteries. So uh, uh, nine, two little used Guinans, we'll say. Makes sense. Uh, Jimmy G, what do you think? Oh, boy. I think I'll give this seven tenths of a xenophobic gaseous parsec cloud. <laughs> Shoot on that one. Right. Wow. <laughs> See which word was misplaced in that sentence. <laughs> uh, it was pretty we'll good. You know, it Must was I funny. One. Um, and anything that has uh, Brent Spiner in the the center of it is going to be at worst good uh, just because he's capable of carrying it that way. I totally agree with Eric that, you know, not using Whoopi Goldberg uh, when you have her on set, like you need to really just stretch out that time and get her in as many scenes as possible. Uh, so it could have been, uh, it could have been a full nine tenths of a parsec of a gaseous xenophobic cloud. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Kate, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to give this uh, eight and a half pink moss experiments. Because, uh, you know, there's oftentimes we talk about, is this an episode that you have to watch in order to truly understand Next Generation and, and the overall plot? And in this instance, no. However, you're missing out on a damn good romp if you don't check it out. It's, you know, it's as other others have said... Uh, I love a good mystery. I love the fact that it's up until the very end that we aren't entirely sure what's going on. Uh, it's laid out, I think, really interestingly, um, including the flashback, which we don't get very often. So, yeah, I think this is a fun exercise in um, different characters and, and how they react to stressful situations. And uh, I was amused. Love it. Sharif, it was great having you back on to chat about yeah. this episode. What did, what did you what would you give this uh, overall? Yeah, I think eight and a half, nine is about where I land. As I said, this really speaks to me. I love any episode where it's like, what happened? <laughs> so like, so like you know, cause and effect, SJ's Enterprise, all that stuff is all uh, now. Those are superior to, to this episode, in my opinion. But but like j just that idea of like something weird happens and they try to figure it out. Also, one thing I love about these kind of episodes is it just makes me think this episode could have happened anywhere, like any small interaction throughout the whole Star Trek universe where like uh, where like somebody made a, a decision like, oh, yeah, that didn't really work. So like, let's try something else. This entire episode could have happened in there. So like, I love that, that like kind of like thought experiment of like this experiment could this episode could happen five times within any episode of 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 of, of uh, star trek which i think is uh is a cool um i agree spiner does a great job um you know is 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 um even though i think you know some of the lies are weird and that kind of stuff i think that this episode for me is really a like the whole is greater than the sum of parts kind of thing where like Sure, you could break it down and like nitpick on things, but in general, I think that the episode left a great impression on me and um, is what I love about Trek. So nice. Well, I am uh, going to be on the lower side. I think I'm going to give it six uh, uh, bullet holes in that gangster in the beginning. Um, <laughs> I uh, I liked this episode when I watched it, but then talking about it, the potholes and things that we've been talking about, I'm like, uh, it could have been changed a little bit better and make it, and, and even just that point that we just made at the end of, of there's no real change in this episode. There's nothing, nothing really uh, uh, 
no growth uh, for any of the characters uh, or this other uh, beings that we encounter, the Paxons um, not being able to to kind of, you know, have their interactions with, with Starfleet, uh, change them for the better. Um, I think that might have been a better thing. And, you know, of course, not having enough Guinan. Um, I did like a lot of the performances. I think Brent Spiner did a, a really good job. And I, I think my favorite scene might be the one with Geordi uh, uh, and him in engineering, uh, you know, kind of reaffirming their their friendship through this suspicion that's going on here. Uh, I would love to have a, a, a final episode, a tag in 10 Ford with them kind of talking through, like, man, it was so weird that I had to lie to you that whole time. And, you know, having some kind of camaraderie there, um, that might have been enough to kind of push it into like, okay, there was a growth or a change for these characters here. But in general... Uh, the mystery was fun. It was fun to kind of go along with it um, and 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 see that flashback of like what really happened, uh, and that is notable that it is uh, you know a little bit different out of the out of the realm for for Star Trek and entered more in murder she wrote territory, uh, which is which is always fun. <laughs> cool. Well, and Sharif was really great having you back. Uh, 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 how can people you know see what you're doing and 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 uh, follow along and and hopefully uh, have you back on for for more? Star yeah. Trek? Um, so all my stuff is at SharifJackson.com, S-H-A-R-E-E-F Jackson.com. That's Sharif Jackson on all social networks. Um, that I'll have link to my math and science tutoring stuff, to my educational vi- videos, to the D&D podcast. Right was a water deep that I still do. We're in our final season of that, which is great. Um, and a bunch of other uh, things that I've involved with, books and news articles, all that kind of stuff. So make sure to check me out there. Sweet. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. And hey, we did it uh, under un, in time. Uh, our pants are not as wet as they usually are, which is great. Speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, man. Just don't look in the mirror. <laughs> Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Reengage. Next week, we continue our mission with the next episode of the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Reengage on Twitter at ReengageTNG to get updates when episodes are published and some other stuff. You can also follow our various Cultural Bridge crew on social media. Kit Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Reengage is edited by Greg Tito. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo97 on Twitter. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now for the traveler to reengage.